0: Morning, folks. I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Wayne has identified worship as the theme for this year's Advent series. Our first Sunday of Advent, we were looking at, uh, well, actually, it was canceled due to a nasty ice storm, as you'll remember. But that morning, we were prepared to consider Mary's um, encounter with the angel in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. And from these chapters, we learned that Mary worshiped God by surrendering herself to his plans and purposes for her life. Verse 38 reads, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. We could go on and expound on what a difficult decision that must have been. But when you and I are willing to say, not my will, but yours be done, on earth as it is in heaven, in my life, As it is in heaven. That is an act of worship. Last week we focused on the angels announcement. Of the birth of Jesus to shepherds. Who were staying out on fields. And keeping watch over their flock by night. The angels worship God. By celebrating his redemptive initiative. In verses 13 and 14 we catch just a glimpse into heaven through the eyes of the shepherds. A multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Heaven was having a party. We too can worship God with our mouths by praising him, and by blessing one another. This morning we want to continue by focusing on the shepherds, those shepherds who were staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. In Luke chapter 2, verses 15 to 20, we discover how these shepherds discovered the truth about Christmas. And as a result, they worshipped God. If you're able, I'm going to invite you to stand with me now for the reading of this very familiar part of the Christmas story, beginning at verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. Verses 1 through 7 report the actual birth of Jesus, and then in verse 8 we read, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into, the, into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Father, for many of us, this is an old, old story. We've heard it told and retold again and again and again. May our familiarity with this historic event not prevent us from hearing from you this morning. Use this text to teach us, reprove us, correct us, and train us in righteousness so that we may be adequate equipped for every good work. Specifically, may we learn to worship you in ways that please and glorify you while in the midst of all of our Christmas celebrations and even beyond the celebrations. Thank you for this inspired, supernaturally preserved and authoritative text. Give us ears to hear, eyes that see, and wills that are determined to obey by the power of your spirit, for your glory. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The first thing I would like us to notice is the enlistment of the shepherds. These shepherds were probably Jews, but let me give you some additional details that you may not be aware of. Shepherds in first century Palestine were considered outsiders. In the social pecking order, they would rank just maybe a little bit above lepers. These were people you would cross the street to avoid. They were a marginalized group, completely social outcasts. This was definitely not a career path you would choose for your son or daughter. They had a reputation of being untrustworthy, thieves and troublemakers. Between my first and second year of University. I jumped in a pickup truck and went out to Alberta to work on the oil rigs for the summer to make some serious cash for my second semester of school or second year of school. The townspeople referred to us as rig pigs. That was not an endearing term but the money was great. These shepherds were the rig pigs of first century Palestine, minus the money. A shepherd's work made them ceremonially unclean, so they could not be engaged in any religious activities. I suppose the religious elite of the day, those scribes and Pharisees, The teachers of the law would place them in that category of sinners and tax collectors. Most of the good folk living in Bethlehem would have absolutely nothing to do with these scruffy down and outers. So being a shepherd was a lonely, usually boring Tedious, and sometimes even extremely dangerous. You see, they were charged with caring for the sheep, feeding them, and protecting the flock. Their work gave them a whole lot of contact with sheep, and very little contact with other people. Back in the early 1980s, I was enrolled in a history course at the University of Waterloo, dealing with this period of time. The Roman Empire. One of the textbooks for the course listed and described all the various occupations that were available during that time. Here's what they said about shepherds. Ancient writers developed a romantic image of the shepherd's life as a carefree, lazy existence amid grassy meadows. In reality, A shepherd's life was at best dull, at worst, almost intolerably harsh. Shepherds spent months in isolation, leading their flocks from pasture to pasture. Rain or shine, sleet or hail, they were outside with their sheep, often in rugged mountain terrain. During lambing season, they might go weeks without sleep. The shepherds in pastoral poems are friendly, talkative fellows. But in real life, shepherds spent most of their days without any human companionship. So difficult and lonely was the life of a shepherd that it was considered the least desirable of all jobs. Many shepherds were slaves. And yet, in Luke chapter 2, the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before shepherds. And the glory of the Lord, that's the visible manifestation of God's presence, shone around them. Around shepherds. I think that's significant. Of all the possibilities, think about it. If you were God and you were announcing the most amazing, incredible, good news of great joy for all the people, a defining moment in human history, the birth of your one and only son, who would you have told first? Of all the possibilities, God chose shepherds. The most unlikely of choices. Don't you agree? God's establishment of shepherds to witness the truth about Christmas was a most unlikely choice. Today, In the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Israel's long-awaited Messiah had finally arrived. Indeed, it was good news, great joy for all the people. How about you? Do you consider yourself... To be an unlikely choice? You ever think of yourself as an unlikely or unworthy witness? Unqualified? And yet, God chose shepherds to be the very first witnesses. the truth about Christmas granted it was a most unlikely choice but look again at verse 15 when the angels had gone away from them into heaven the shepherds began saying to one another let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us so they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. These verses describe the responsiveness of the shepherds. Notice their plan was to go straight to Bethlehem. And in verse 16, it tells us that they came in a hurry. In other words, they wasted no time. There was a sense of urgency in their steps as they made their way into town. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus was speaking to his crowd. They gathered around him. In fact, it says he was speaking to them all. all. That, That means everyone within earshot. By the way, Luke chapter 9 happens to be one of my favorite verses of Scripture. He was saying to them all, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus' invitation was to live a life of surrender and self-denial. To live a life of sacrifice. To live a life of tailgating following in his steps first peter chapter 2 verse 21 says that he left us an example for us to follow in his steps interesting later on in luke chapter 9 after he just said that jesus comes across some would-be followers Listen as I read, beginning at verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, that's to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What was he saying? In other words, If you're looking for comfort and personal advantage, you're looking in the wrong place. And then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. Another also said, I'll follow you. But first, permit me to go and say goodbye to my family. Excuses. Excuses, they're, they're a dime a dozen. He that is good at making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Let us go straight to Bethlehem. That's the response of someone looking to make no excuses. Remember my Chuck Tate quote? To think a thing and to say a thing does not necessarily mean that it is done. Think about that. These shepherds, they thought about going to Bethlehem. They expressed their intention to go to Bethlehem. And then with no ifs and buts, no excuses or distractions, without delay, they dropped everything. I'm not even sure what happened to the sheep. But nothing was going to keep them. From going to Bethlehem. To see This thing. What thing? Look at the end of verse 15. And see this thing. That has happened. Which the Lord has made known. To us. Today. In the city of David. There has been born for you. A savior. Who is Christ. The Lord. You may want to take your pen, if you're in the habit of marking your Bible, and underline these four sets of words. In verse 15, underline, let us go. And then if you move down the sentence, you'll see, and see. Verse 16, they came and found. And asked by two of John the Baptist's disciples where he was staying, Jesus responded to them, Come, and you will see. Later, these two disciples, these two former disciples of John the Baptist, became part of that select group of twelve whom Jesus named apostles. Philip, in inviting Nathaniel to come and, and see Jesus, responded to Nathaniel's expression of prejudice about anyone who came from Nazareth with Come and see. Come and see. Psalm 66, verse 5. The psalmist extends this invitation. Come and see. Come and see the works of God, who is awesome in his deeds toward the sons of men. Come and see. Beloved, that is how you and I, how anyone, becomes a credible eyewitness. In fact, we may even want to say an incredibly, an incredibly credible eyewitness. Come and see. Notice Luke chapter 2 and verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Let me ask you, how many babies do you think were born in the city of Bethlehem that night and were wrapped in cloths? and laid in a manger. While an unlikely choice, the shepherds' responsiveness to the truth about Christmas made them credible eyewitnesses. You might have been as I said a few moments ago, incredibly credible eyewitnesses. And the same holds true for you and me. Do we realize that our response to the truth about Christmas really does matter? It's not our skill set. has nothing to do with our academic achievements, or any other kind of achievement for that matter. It's not your good family name, who knows you or who you know doesn't matter. It's not your list of accomplishments, your personality or your charisma. How good you think you are or how many bad things you've managed to avoid. What others may think of you doesn't matter. It's our response to the truth about the Christmas story that matters. An appropriate response to the truth about Christmas is transformative. It will change you, and it will change me. Look what happens next in verse 17 to 20. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. We've seen the enlistment of the shepherds and the responsiveness of the shepherds. Now here in verses 17 to 20, we see the faithfulness of the shepherds. You see, these shepherds, having seen the baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger, according to verse 17, were compelled, compelled to make known the statement which had been told them about this child. Notice, no one was holding a gun to their head. God or otherwise... They didn't need to be told to share this good news of great joy for all the people. And what statement was it that they were making known? Today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That was their message not complicated. It's not something that they came up with all on their own. It's not a message about their personal experience or their perspective on things. Their thoughts or their feelings. They're not being pressured or guilted into sharing. I'm quoting here. The statement which had been told to them, in the New Living Trans- er, in the New International Version, it reads: "They spread the word." New Living Translation: "They told everyone what had happened." They were compelled. I like that word, compelled. They could not help themselves. They wanted to tell. Everyone and anyone who would take the time to listen to them. While an unlikely choice, the responsive shepherds became faithful witnesses to the truth about Christmas. Luke reports three different responses to the truth about Christmas. First of all, all who heard it wondered. NIV says, we're amazed. I can find myself being amazed about a lot of things. Things that I find impossible or wouldn't even think of attempting. Or things that would take me a great deal of time and effort. When I watch others perform them with such grace and ease, I stand amazed. Or when things go better than I ever could have imagined or hoped. Or when my wildest dreams all of a sudden become reality. I'm left with my jaw hanging open. In awe. Amazed. Utterly amazed. The word used here is actually... Well, it just seems to be like one of Luke's favorite words because it appears again and again in his gospel as people encounter this Jesus during his public ministry. Luke chapter 1, verse 21 and 63. Chapter 2, verses 18 and 33. Chapter 4, verse 22. Chapter 8, verse 25. Chapter 9, verse 43. Don't try and keep up. Chapter 11, verse 14 to 38. Chapter 20, verse 26. And chapter 24, verse 14. And again in verse 21. Let me just give you a couple to look up. A couple of instances. Later in this same chapter, in Luke chapter 2, verse 33. Jesus is being presented by Mary and Joseph at the temple in Jerusalem. Verse 33 reads, And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. (coughs) In Luke chapter 8, verse 25, Jesus and his disciples are caught on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of a life-threatening storm. And if you can imagine these frantic disciples... And Jesus, sleeping in the back of the boat, sound asleep. And these are seasoned fishermen, remember. They're fearing for their lives, and so they wake Jesus up. He rebukes the wind and the surging waves. And immediately, the Sea of Galilee becomes calm. Luke reports... They, meaning Jesus' disciples, were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands the winds and the water, and they obey him? Can you imagine? These folks in Bethlehem had a similar reaction when they heard the things which were told them to them by the shepherds the second is Mary's response in verse 19 she treasured all these things pondering them in her heart does that sound familiar turn back to Luke chapter 1 look at verse 26 now in the 6th month the angel Gabriel was sent from god to the city of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering, What kind of salutation this was. It seems that Mary was a ponderer. She appears to be one of those quiet, but alert, always observing, thinking, analytical type. Perhaps she was one of those who is quite content to sit quietly Letting others do all the talking. But whenever she's asked, her contributions to the conversation are always worth listening to. This word treasured and pondering bring to mind a couple of verses that I committed to memory early in my Christian life Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Your word have I treasured in my heart. So that I might not sin against you. That is what Mary did. With the things which were told to her. By the shepherds. She treasured them in her heart. And pondered them. The third response of course is the shepherds themselves. Not only did they tell this statement which had been told to them, to everyone and anyone who'd take the time to look. But look at verse 20 again. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. They returned to their sheep as true worshipers. They didn't stop being shepherds but shepherding would never be the same. They were now faithful witnesses to the truth about Christmas. Three very different responses to the truth about Christmas. But one thing is certain. The truth about Christmas was delivered to be shared. And I would like to suggest that the initial response is not always the final response. Some are early adopters. Others will resist to the bitter end. But regardless of how others will respond, We are responsible for being faithful in the means and not for the ends that only God can produce. In closing, I'd like us to reflect on a melody of verses taken from the book of Romans. And I'm going to try and I'll read the verse and limit my commentary. I just want us to think carefully about these verses. Let's begin with Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 For the wages of that sin is death. But the free Christmas gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. With the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. And finally, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a power of God for salvation To everyone who believes. To the Jew first. And also to the Greek. Beloved. If we will respond appropriately to the truth about Christmas. It will be the greatest Christmas gift you'll ever receive. Or could ever give. Today, in the city of Woodstock, there is a Savior who was born for you and for me, who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this season of the year when we are confronted with the reality of the incarnation. That moment in human history when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But this baby lying in a manger we are told grew in wisdom and stature and favor with both God and man. He lived a perfect life and then died a horrible death to pay the price for our sin so that by confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our hearts you raised him from the dead we are saved what a gift may we treasure and ponder respond appropriately and then share with others the truth about Christmas throughout our celebrations and into this new year. Indeed, may we become faithful witnesses of this good news of great joy, which is for all the people. Grant us courage and strength. Keep us from fear and discouragement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.